down in May But I know I'm gonna change that tune When I'm back on top, back on top in June For those of you who have stayed with us, congratulations. I was 15 years old, and my family didn't have much. My dad uh, did youth ministry throughout our upbringing, and um, so we made it, uh, and, and we were fine, but we didn't have a ton, and so I, I got to my 15th birthday, and I was wondering, hey, man, I'm going to turn 16 next year. And I wonder if there'll be a car or how that's going to work. And one day, uh, my dad comes home and he says, hey, I found you a car. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. It's going to be so good. I'm like, okay. So he takes us and he says, it's a classic and we're going to do some work on it. And so he brings me down and he shows me this 1953 Buick Super 8. Okay, this thing drove more like a boat than a car, and theoretically, it was awesome. I was like, oh, I got this classic car. It's going to be amazing. We're going to work on it, fix it up. And so that's what we started doing through my year, uh, my 15th birthday. And through that year, we started working on it, fixing it up. And, and then at 16, when I got my driver's license, I got to get in what we later called the green bean because it was that grandma green color, you know what I'm talking about? And, and it was that color. It was the green bean. And we get in the green bean and we drive around town. And I just had this great sense of freedom driving around in my 19th. 1953 Buick Super 8. The problem with the 1953 Super uh, Buick Super 8 is that it was unreliable. Okay, And so it broke down from time to time. I'd find myself in weird situations where I'd have to figure out how am I going to get home because my car broke down again. And there was one day that I remember vividly sitting at a stoplight on Colorado Boulevard in Denver. I was going to take a left, and it was about 5 o'clock, and I was going to take a left, and, and I'm in the turn lane, and, and as the light turns green, I hear, boom, 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 and it just dies, right? And so there I am on Colorado Boulevard, busy street. I try to restart it. Go, 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 go. It doesn't start. Okay. I'm like, oh, here we go. The green means down again. So I hop out of my car. I go to the guy behind me. I'm like, hey, man, car broke down. I know it looks like an old car because it is an old car and it broke down again. So can you like get out and help me push it through the intersection on the next green? The guy graciously does help me through the intersection. I get parked in the YMCA right there on University and Colorado or on Yale and Colorado Boulevard in Denver. And I call my dad. I say, dad, the bean is down again. It's, it's, it's broken down again. And he says, you sure you have gas in it? I said, of course I have gas in it, dad. Are you kidding me? Of course I have gas in the car. And so he's like, okay, well, I'll come out and look at it. And so he comes out and looks at it and he gets in, he turns on the key and he goes, Hey, I thought you said it had gas in it. 
and he like points at the little little gauge and he's like, it says E on there. What do you think that means? <laughs> Needless to say, I wasn't real reliable that day and the car was on empty. And cars don't run real well when they're on empty and neither do you. We're in a series that we're calling That's Life. And here's what I want to ask us to consider this morning. I want us to consider a reflective question. And the question is this. How full is my life tank right now? How full is my life tank right now? In the midst of our That's, that's Life sermon series, I want to ask you a question about this. Your life tank. If this represents your That's Life tank, how full is that right now? Here's my guess. I'm guessing that some of you took a very heavy breath right there. And as you began to assess yourself, you thought, I don't know if I want to participate in this exercise. I want to walk through maybe where you might be at this moment right now. For some of you, I think it's probably very few of you actually, you're feeling pretty good right now. I actually talked to a really good banker, banker friend of mine, and he said there are folks who have businesses that are just ripping right now. They're doing so, so well, and they're just buying things up and spending money, and they're working hard, and they've never been busier. Maybe you just bought a new RV or camper or boat or a new TV with your stimulus check or a motorcycle, and when COVID hit, you didn't skip a beat. And you just said, hey, I'm keeping on working. My life is full. Last week when I preached on hard work, you were like, yep, I'm working hard. Life is good. And you would say, uh, yeah, I'm a little worried about some things, so I'm not quite full, but like, I'm probably way up here. Like you'd say, I, I'm somewhere up there. Like if this is my life tank, I'm kind of way up here. I'm feeling pretty good about life. I think for Many others of us, we'd probably, if we were honest, say, I'm actually somewhere in the middle. I'm somewhere in the middle. Some aspects of life have been pretty good recently. You didn't lose your job. You survived the stay at home. You look forward to even a little family vacation this summer. But there's a cloud. In the midst of the things going on, you're looking at the world around you. You're seeing racism and pain and division and hate, and it worries you. And you're not exactly sure what with COVID and racial reconciliation and with the economy and with our country. And so maybe you're even like, what's going to happen in June? You're waiting for the other shoe to drop and you would say, I'm somewhere in the middle, right? I'm somewhere kind of in the middle. I'm not way up here. I'm not completely empty. I'm somewhere in the middle. Life isn't awful, but life isn't really that great either. And then there are some of you that paused 
when you heard this question and your heart sunk. Because here's what you know. You're running on fumes. And you're empty right now. And you would say, I'm not okay. Maybe you're scared or hurting or frustrated that COVID has made you just plain angry that the stay-at-home order was incredibly hard. Some of you in domestic situations that were incredibly difficult. Your marriage was on the rocks and now you feel like it's moments from being completely over. You've been working so hard juggling your kids and homeschool and your job and you're exhausted. Some of you have been self-medicating in this season And so, so many of us feel helpless and alone in the midst of this season. And you're just one bad thing away from breaking into tears. And to top that all off, there's political division, there's violence, there's racism, all leading you to scream. And you can't even do that properly because you're supposed to cover your mouth, right? And so I looked into your eyes this week. I, I, I saw many of you out and about in, in different social situations. And, and what I saw in people's eyes was a lot of emptiness. These are all true things that I heard this week. And if this feels heavy, it's because it is. I looked into your eyes and heard you say that I had to fire 13 employees this week and I'm being sued. I looked into your eyes as you told me about how in the past year and a half you were forced at gunpoint, not because of a crime, but because you were observing a crime and you were black. I've looked into your eyes when you've said, I'm not sure I want to be a police officer anymore. I've looked into your eyes when you told me that the PPP money was running out and that you'd soon have to shut down your business. I've looked into your eyes as you've told me that the marriage was over. I've looked into your eyes as you told me that you couldn't visit your father who is in the nursing home. I've looked into your eyes when you vomited conspiracy theories. I've looked into your eyes as you pretended that you didn't care. And here's what I've seen. I've seen emptiness in our eyes that we are running on fumes. And what I want to say to you this morning is, is I'm there with you. I alluded to that last week that I'm running on fumes. I'm going to be honest with you. Being a public speaker at this point in history is probably one of the hardest possible positions. For some, we've said too much. For some, we've said too little. I'll probably get emails for some of the things I just said. I'm on empty like my 1953 Buick. So what do we do with that? What do we do if we're, if we're full, if we're in the middle, or if we've got barely nothing left? What do we do? See, see Christianity has a claim. It's a big claim. It's a claim I want to engage with this morning. And the claim is this. Life in Jesus is meant to be full. That's the claim. Life in Jesus is meant to be full. Colossians 2, 
6 through 10 says this. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. Right? That's life. Live your lives in him. Rooted and built up in him. Strengthened in the faith as you were taught. And overflowing with happiness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. The claim of Christ, the claim of Christianity, the claim of Jesus is that life is meant to be lived in the full when you are in Jesus, when you are in Christ. Paul is highlighting this by saying, in Jesus, there was all the fullness of God in bodily, in human form. And in Jesus, when we are in Jesus, we are part of that fullness as well. This is a massive claim. We are not meant to live on fumes. What was a really full day in your life? Do you remember a really full day in your life? I I do. It was 15 years ago, coming up here in July, and my wife and I got married. And I'll tell you right now, it was one of the fullest days of my life. I remember waking up. And I remember um, we had traded some notes to each other and I read that note. She had read her note and we were excited for the day. I remember taking pictures with family and friends. I remember standing at the front of the sanctuary and everybody else cleared out. And then my beautiful, amazing, smart, talented bride came walking up to me and she, she touched me on the shoulder. I turned around and I, I absolutely lost my breath. And I was so full. And then, and then we had the wedding ceremony itself. And I'll never forget standing up there and seeing her come down the aisle, tears in my eyes, big smile on my face. And then I tried to kiss her three times before the pastor said, you may now kiss the bride. Pastor kept like playing referee, like, hey, back off, back off. It's like a MMA fight. And I kept going in for the kiss, right? Okay. So I, it was just so awesome. We got done with the wedding itself. We came down the stairs. I look at Lori. She looks at me. It was one of those times where she was like, don't you dare. And I was like, I'm going to do it anyway. And I picked her up and I ran out of the church. No joke. And then we had the longest reception line in the history of reception lines. I hugged every aunt and uncle, great aunt, great uncle, people I didn't even know, had so much fun hugging and loving on people, right? And then we got late to the dinner that night and the rehearsal or the reception and my wedding party wasn't there because apparently they got caught up at something called the cat's paw, which I don't even know what that is, but some of you know, okay? And they came late and it was unbelievable. We had prime rib dinner. We had great red wine. We laughed and we danced and we toasted. And, and then we drove away to the Gallatin Gateway Inn. And should I stop? I should, I'm get, oh, sorry. So Lori's in the room today. If you're not here, Lori's giving me the no more because my kids are here as well. So, but it was good, okay? It was awesome. 
It was so full. It was just the fullest day of life. Like, my heart was full. My heart was so full of love and joy. My head, my head was so full of of memories and dreams of what was going to come after this day. My tummy was full from really good prime rib and unbelievable, uh, just unbelievable food and drink and time together. Everything about me was just so full, so full that day. And see, that is part of the picture of what we're meant to live like. We're meant to live a life that is full, not a life that is empty. But here's the problem. The problem is this. Life without Jesus makes us empty. Life without Jesus makes us empty. Augustine said it like this. Our hearts are restless until they rest in God. Jesus said it this way. Come to me, all you who are weary and who are hungry and who are thirsty, and you will be full. But life without him, it's just empty. We wander around trying to fill our souls and we're never, ever fulfilled. We're hungry and we're thirsty and we can just never get enough because life with Jesus is a life lived on empty. I would say I would say this clearly. You could live a good life without Jesus, but you can't live a full life without Jesus. You can live a good life with Jesus, without Jesus, but you cannot ever be full without Jesus. And, and some of you right now, you're trying to fill your soul with all kinds of things. You're trying to self-medicate and try to figure out how to make it through this. And the last person that you're going to is Jesus. And you're going to go empty all the time if you rely upon yourself. You rely upon other things because life without Jesus is a life of emptiness. And I want to I wanna lean into this because I want you to have life. And Jesus wants you to have life. But I want to lean into two areas, two aspects that are not life. See, this right here, that's not life, okay? That right there is not life. Life is meant to be lived with Jesus and lived to the full. But living on empty, that is not Life. So two aspects of that's not life. Number one. Number one is sin. Number one is sin. So I'm going to start back into the passage. Verse 10. It says this. He is the head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the work of God who raised him from the dead. Your faith, when, when you were dead in your sins, when you were dead in your sins and the in uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive in Christ. He forgave all your sins, having canceled the charge of your legal indebtedness, 
which stood against you and condemned you. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. The first aspect of life that's not life is sin. And the picture that Paul wants to paint for us here is sin is simply this. It's anything that misses the mark of God. It's anything that doesn't measure up to God. And and, and Paul even uses this word. It's indebtedness to God. So so here's a really good way for you to think about it. I think if you said, hey, I'm going to pile up all the really good things in my life and I'm going to put them in a pile over here and then I'm going to pile up all the really bad things I've done, all the things that didn't hit the mark of Jesus over here, I would ask you, how big is your pile over here? Every thought that was not godly, every intention that was not godly, every action that was not godly, you get to pile up over here. And then everything that was pure and spotless and clean and right and perfect and pure and amazing and great and godly and in line with God gets to put put over here. How's your piles looking right now? I'm just going to tell you, I'm your pastor and my pile's pretty big over here and I ain't got much over here. And that's the picture that Paul is painting for us here. He's saying we are indebted to God that that sin has this debt and we cannot make the scales right. That we cannot fix the problem that sin puts us on empty. When he's talking to the Romans, Paul says the wages of sin is death. It's not It's not something to be managed. Sin is not something to be managed. Sin leads to death. And if sin is missing the mark of God, we must say we have missed the mark and it leaves us on empty. See, I think we like to play these games where we say, well, I've done, I've done this amount of good things versus this amount of bad things. And we actually lie to ourselves that we're better than we are, that we got this so we can figure this out. And it's just not true. I think we do that when we read the Bible. I think we say, oh, there's good characters and there's bad characters. Let me teach you how to read the Bible this morning. There's Jesus and then there's everybody else. That's how it works. There's Jesus and then everybody else. And I know deep within ourselves, we're like, no, 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 no. Like, I think I can figure this out. I think I can fix this. But that is sin within you lying to you. There's not good people and bad people. There's everybody and Jesus. And so sin separates us from God. Sin separates us from each other and it leaves our tank on empty. Number two is self. Sin and self. Verse 15. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Therefore... Do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. The reality, however, is found in 
Christ. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person goes into great detail about what they've seen. They're puffed up with their idle notions by an unspiritual mind. They've lost connection with the head from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. Since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why, as though you still belong to this world, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These rules, which have to do with things that are destined to perish with you, are based on mere human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship and false humility and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. Sin separates us from God, leaves us on empty, and self separates us from God and leaves us on empty. And I can already see the emails popping in say, no, 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 Brian, like, I need to go, I need, I need, like, I need to love myself more. I need to believe in myself more. I need, I need more of myself. Like, I, I've preached this sermon before, and I get emails every single time, because here, here's what I want to say. There's this thin line. There's this really thin line between worshiping God and worshiping humans, There's this thin line that likes to be whispered to us that we actually have what it takes and we don't actually need God. And do you know where that whisper comes from? It comes from the father of all lies. Because sin, sin finds its root in self. So Adam and Eve are in the garden and they're they're going around the garden and, and they go up to this tree that God told them not to eat from and, and the serpent whispers to them. And he, and he just suggests to them, maybe God's not good enough. Maybe God is actually withholding something from you. Maybe if you went on your own way, you could figure it out your self. You should eat that fruit. You deserve it. See, it's this insidious lie of the evil one that I believe has come to life full-fledged in our society today. That humans can fix it. The thin line between worshiping humans and worshiping God. And can I tell you this? Humans will never fix it. Humans will never fix it. Should we work hard? Absolutely. I'm not excusing you from last week's sermon. We should do our part. But if you start adding anything to Jesus, you're going to get nothing. You start adding anything to Jesus, you're going to get nothing. And the heart of what's going on with the Colossians is that there are people that are saying, well, it's Jesus plus religious acts. It's Jesus plus um, these certain spiritual acts that only certain people can do. They're adding to the simple good grace of Jesus. And Paul is reminding them that is not the gospel. That is just human striving, which will lead you to emptiness every single time. 
It's rooted in pride. It's rooted in a reliance upon ourselves. And it's so hard to see. It's just so hard to see. See, here's what I'm saying. You can be religious and not know Jesus. You can go to church and not know Jesus. You can be a better person and try to make the world a better place and not know Jesus, and it's going to leave you on empty. So what's the answer? I, I think there's only one answer. The reality, as Paul says, however, is found in Christ, the only true source of life is Jesus. John 10, 10, it's one of my favorite passages. John says this, I have come that they may have life and have it to the fullest. He's talking to his disciples and he says, he said, the deceiver, he just comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I, I have come that you may have life and have it to the fullest. And I'm just going to say it. I don't think we all believe that actually. Like, I, th- I think we, we think it's Jesus plus something else. And it's not Jesus plus something else. It's just Jesus. This past Monday, I was working on this sermon and um, I was just running on fumes and honestly, I just stared at the page for like three hours on Monday and, and didn't have a thing. And then Tuesday came around we had a creative team meeting and planning meeting. And I'm like, oh, I'm so behind the eight ball here. And I just, I can't, I can't figure this out. And, and so Tuesday afternoon, I'm sitting there trying to work on it, trying to work on it, trying to work on it, trying to manufacture this. I can do this. I got this doing my like self-improvement stuff. And like, I, I got this, I can figure this out. And I was like, at one point I was just like, I don't got this. I just don't have it. God, I, I know I have to say something, but I don't know if I have anything to say. And, and so uh, I, got, I got in my truck and I prayed, a really, I prayed a really simple prayer. And it was like this, Jesus, I need you. I, I, I need you right now. I, like, I can't do this without you. I can't do anything without you. I, I, can't, I can't manage my kids without you. I can't manage my finances without you. I can't, I can't live life in the way you want me to without you. I don't, I don't actually see myself in the mirror in the correct way if I don't see you first. And I need you. And, and so I got in the car and, and, and I started heading to one of my whispering spots, one of my listening spots where I hear from Jesus. I got this little spot uh, down on the Madison that I pull my truck into and I, I sit there on the riverbank and, and I read and I pray and I just listen for the voice of God. And, and I, I kid you not, I, I pray this, I need you, Jesus, prayer. And I get in my truck and I leave and, and I turn this podcast on that I, I've been, I love listening listen to podcasts and I turn this podcast on that I've been, it's been sitting there downloaded for a long time and I didn't think I just, whatever, didn't listen to it. And it's from Henry Cloud. He's a, he's a counselor and, um, and, and so I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll just play that. It's for leadership and it'll maybe help and, and I start it, and Henry Cloud just says, how full is your tank right now? 
And I just started weeping. I said, Jesus, my, my heart is so empty right now. And like this, this COVID thing has, has just killed my soul. And, and not being able to see my people here in the church building, it's been so hard. And, and then, then we've had masks over, so I can't even see people's smiles, and they can't even see mine, and I can't even engage. And then on top of this, there's just this deep sense of racism and hate and division. And I'm, and I'm like called into the middle of this, and I'm reading and trying to figure it out. And it's just like, it's just so hard, Jesus. And I'm like, I'm so, so empty. And he's just like, Brian, what, what's your word for this year? Abide. Just abide in me. Trust in me. I've got this. You don't have it. You don't have to have it. I've got this. And I kid you not, I went down. I sat next to the river. I wrote this entire thing in like 30 minutes. It just, it's just like, it didn't come from me. It came from the spirit of God. Jesus just said, here, here's what you need to say. I've got this for you. You don't need to worry about it. Speak to people's hearts because there are people that are not okay right now. Many of you are not okay and you need Jesus. And your friends need Jesus. And your community needs Jesus. And, and everyone around us needs Jesus. Like, if, if we had Jesus, a lot of these problems that we have right now wouldn't be what they are. That's what I believe. If we were really living out the ways of Jesus, I don't think we'd be where we are right now. Like, I was thinking about equality this week. I've been hearing in the news, quality, quality, quality. And I'm like, Jesus believes in more than equality. We were made in the image and likeness of Jesus. Like our value is so high. How would we dare? How would we dare speak out against that value? How, how, would, how would we miss the point that Jesus wants us to lean in and say, people aren't just made to be equal, they are made to be seen as image bearers of Christ. The worry, the pain, our relationships, our politics, our social justice, our money, our worry, our doubt, our anger, our anxiety. We need Jesus. So I want to end by saying this. I want you to take a step this week. My that's life next step. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to spend one hour this week. One hour listening for the voice of Jesus through scripture and prayer. I want you to turn off the noise. John 10.10. It's a great place for you to go this week. Jesus says, but my sheep, they know me. They hear my voice. They don't follow the voice of another. I was having a conversation with somebody yesterday and I said, hey, are you hearing the voice of Jesus? He said, no, I'm not hearing the voice of Jesus. I'm like, man, you're reading your Bible, you're praying, or, or are you just scrolling? 
Are you just reading the news over and over and over and over and surrounding yourself with people that think exactly like you so that can prove your point so you feel better about yourself? Or are you listening for the voice of Jesus? This is the gospel. Jesus is for you. He is with you. He loves you. He gives you great, great, great value. And we are in deep need of him. So shut off the voices. Some of you need to stay off of social media this week. Some of you need to turn off the television. Some of you need to stop self-medicating. And you need to turn to Jesus. Every time you open the Bible, you hear the voice of Jesus. His words are there and available for you. He wants to speak to you if you would only listen. Jesus, this is what we want. We want to hear your voice. We want to follow after you. Jesus, I pray that these words wouldn't fall on deaf ears. I pray that we would be more and more and more and more like you. And as John said, less of me, more of you, Jesus. Jesus, I need more of you. I know there are so many watching right now who need you so deeply. And so, God, would you come to us? Emmanuel, God with us. I pray, God, for full engagement with you. That we'd proclaim your name. That you would hear, we would hear you speak good grace over us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this time has allowed you to dig out more of who God has made you to be. If you made some kind of spiritual decision today and are interested in what's next, we'd love to connect with you. For more information or to get in touch, please visit journeyweb.net. If you're interested in supporting our ministry, you can give online at journeyweb.net slash give. Thanks.